Welcome to the sermon podcast of Midway Christian Church. We're a Disciples of Christ congregation located in Midway, Kentucky. You're always welcome to join us in person or follow us on Facebook or YouTube. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. I invite you to follow along either in the Pew Bibles or on the screen. I'll be reading from the Common English Version. Now when the human one comes in his majesty and all these angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you did not give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you did not give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we come to the end of our liturgical church year and we celebrate Christ the King, as I said earlier in the service. Now this is not a normal Sunday that we usually separate as disciples. We usually skip right from Thanksgiving to Advent. But this year we have that extra Sunday in between and we have a little extra time to contemplate what it means for us to proclaim Christ is King, that Christ is Lord of Lords. This really is an amazing statement of faith that we say Christ is our King, and we make that proclamation today. It is a powerful, life-changing statement of faith, and to be honest, it's really disheartening that we have to have an extra Sunday for us as disciples kind of snuck in for us to have this conversation, to explore what it means for us to say that Christ is our King, to explore what it means to have this powerful statement of who Jesus is for people of faith. 
And as I have thought about this, and I've wondered why that is, why we need this special Sunday to proclaim Christ the King, and why we as disciples of Christ are so uncomfortable with it, the only thing I could really come up with is that we have a general dislike of labels and hierarchy in our DNA as a denomination. And what I mean by that, within other denominations, there are bishops and there are popes and cardinals who set a mandate, who give us kind of the rules of what the church is going to say and proclaim. And yes, I know as disciples, we have that general minister and president in Indianapolis, but they don't speak for us. We are congregationally led, which means that Indianapolis can write a statement but we can say that's nice, but we're going to do something else. What we do proclaim as disciples of Christ as a denomination is that all of us are ministers. That all of us are called to proclaim who Jesus is for us as God's people. We're called to use the Bible. We're called to use our experiences to proclaim who we know Jesus to be. He is our Christ. He is our King. He is our Lord of Lords. He is the one who died upon the cross so that we might live. This is our Christology. If you want to impress someone with big churchy words or you find yourself on jeopardy, and that's the final question. We as disciples of Christ are called as individuals to proclaim and say these matters of theology. We as individuals are called to make profound statements of faith about who Jesus is for us and why his coming to the world matters for us. And I think that's why this makes us uncomfortable as disciples with the Christ, the King. And that's why we usually like to skip over from Thanksgiving to Advent. We don't like to proclaim that we have the authority. We don't like to talk about Jesus in these big churchy words. We rather talk about Jesus in the human terms. We can relate to that. It makes him real. It makes us understand who he was and what he did here on earth. But when we use these big churchy words like Christology, even Christ the King or Lord of Lords, and what that means for us as people of faith, Suddenly, we don't have the words to talk about that. And we make statements like, well, I'm going to leave that to the experts to answer that. Because that's above my pay grade. And what has happened is because we as disciples of Christ are uncomfortable of talking about theology. Uncomfortable talking about who Jesus is for us and to us. Others have stepped in. Others have filled in the gaps, and they're filling in the gaps with dangerous and hurtful and harmful theology and practices. They have no problem proclaiming the authority to decide who is in and who is out, who is worthy of God's grace and who is not. They have no qualms saying that if we do not believe exactly as they do, then we are wrong. They have no problem in saying that there is only one way to embrace the gospel of love. And it lines up with their way. And no other way is quote unquote correct.
with this mantle of authority that they have no problem claiming. They offer no grace. They offer no mercy. They ignore the life-changing power of God's love. And instead, what they proclaim is a Jesus that is very different from the Jesus that we have experienced. From the Jesus that we know to be true in our love life, a Jesus of love, a Jesus of grace, a Jesus who ate and broke bread with saints and sinners alike, a Jesus who noticed the people on the margins and welcomed them in, Jesus who recognized the light of God in each and every one. Their Jesus that they proclaim is very different from the Jesus that we know. The Jesus that calls us to challenge the unjust systems of this world. And as disciples of Christ, in our reluctance to proclaim Jesus as Christ the King, others have stepped in practicing and preaching a theology of hate and division, which is added to the brokenness in our world, which is added to people running away from the church. Rather than coming in and hearing about that good news of God's grace and God's love. And don't get me wrong. I will say they do get something right. There is judgment within our sacred text. There is judgment within our sacred text. It's in the Gospels. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. There is some sort of judgment, a moment where we are all held accountable for our actions as people of faith. However, for me, what sets the judgment apart within our text and the judgment that is offered by people who do damage and hurt to the world, it is this hellfire and damnation that it's often used as fear tactics in our world, the judgment that is found within our sacred text serves as a reminder for me and for us that God is God and we are not. It is a reminder that what I am called to do, what we are called to do, and what we often fail to do is to love one another as God has loved us, to share grace upon grace, to call, to make justice, to share compassion, to walk humbly with our God. For me, the text that talks about judgment, even the one that I lifted up and we shared today, I will not deny that there is judgment in it, but it is a reminder for me and for us that we are called to do certain things as disciples, and we often fail to do so. And so as we gather, and I've thought about this, so that we can embrace our call to be the disciples of Christ that we are called to be, created to be, we need to do a few things, to become comfortable in doing a few things. And that is proclaiming who Jesus is for us, proclaiming who Jesus is to us. And I know that's not something we normally do, but in order to make this a little easier, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Because here it is. I may get paid to be the minister of Midway Christian Church, but everyone sitting in the pews, everyone watching online... You are already ministers of the gospel. 
You already know. You are already experts in what and who Jesus is for you as Christ the King because you've experienced God's love in your life. You've experienced God's grace in your life. You have known what it is like to be told that you are a beloved child of God and no one can take that away from you. We know what it means to have that moment. That moment when we are so mired in the darkness that we don't know which way to go and we've lost all hope. And then suddenly we hear this voice calling to us, proclaiming us and naming us, lifting us up and bringing us back to the light. Each and every one has had a moment where God's grace and God's love took hold of us and opened our eyes to the beauty and wonder of God's beloved community in our midst. And that's it. Those moments where God's grace and God's love transformed us and challenged us and changed us. Those moments are what makes us experts in matters of faith. Those moments are what make us experts in proclaiming Christ is our king. That Christ is our Lord of lords. All of us have experienced that life-giving power of God. We've all experienced God's love in our lives, and we know, we know deep in our bones that Christ is King, that Lord of Lords. We know deep in our bones that all will be overcome because love and light will always have the last word because we have had an experience with God's grace and God's love. Which is why this text from Matthew is so powerful here on Christ the King Sunday. This inspiring vision of Christ coming down on his throne in heaven is contrasted with simple, ordinary tasks that we can do each and every day. Feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, visiting those in, in the prison. Those are proclamations. Those very acts are proclamations of who Jesus is for us, who Jesus is to us. Matthew reminds us that some of the biggest statements that we can make in proclaiming Christ the King, proclaiming Lord of Lords, is for us to simply share acts of kindness with the people all around us by simply noticing the least of these in our midst and seeing them as beloved children of God. Because you see all the missions and ministries, all the acts of justice we do as people of faith, it's not for us. We don't give our resources to make us feel better. We don't give of ourselves to make us feel better. We give them to help build up God's kingdom here on earth. We make and do acts of justice because through them we meet Christ. Through them we make a connection with our brothers and sisters because through these acts of justice, these acts of compassion, these acts of grace, God's beloved community comes more and more to fruition here on earth. We do these things not for ourselves, but because these things the feeding the hungry, the giving of clothes, the making justice, the visiting the sick and in prison. They are physical signs of God's love come to fruition here on earth. They are our proclamations that Christ is king, that Christ is Lord of lords. He is the prince of peace. It is a reminder for us and this world 
that love and light will always have the last word. We do all these things because they have a ripple effect on this world, bringing healing and wholeness for all of God's people. We do these things because we know that with each act of justice, with each act of kindness, with each act of compassion, God's beloved community comes more and more to fruition here on earth. And that is who we are as disciples of Christ, the heart and hands of God here in this world, connecting each other, proclaiming that Christ is king, and we celebrate that. And our challenge is to get comfortable with proclaiming Lord of lords and king of kings so that all will know we have nothing to be ashamed of in our faith. May it be so. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon podcast of the Midway Christian Church. If you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please go to our website at midwaychristian.org.